So we're doing this, huh? We're doing it, man. <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, I'm Stephen Rios. Uh, and I'm Matt Graves. Yeah, we're both uh, former Texas A&M rugby players, uh, Old Maroon members, and uh, trying out a little experiment, right? Uh, seeing what the podcast life for uh, maybe a little A&M rugby, Old Maroon, Prop Olympian, uh, informational, right? See if we can get some uh, good information out there to, you know, people that are, have the interest in following Texas A&M rugby in the, the Old Maroon group. So. Yeah, so uh, a few people know, like I'm, I'm in construction management, and recently I started a podcast. We were like eight episodes in with a, with a guy I met through LinkedIn and stuff. But anyway, so Rios had actually reached out to me and was like, hey, you want to do an Old Maroon podcast? And I was like, uh, I guess so. Let's do it. Well, I and, mean, it um, didn't go exactly like that. <laughs> hey, man, have you thought about doing one? And you're like, well, you want to do it with me? And I was like, uh, well, I, yeah, I guess we're doing it. So here we are. So. <laughs> an hour, an hour conversation of talking in circles, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, I mean, it, it was immediately, you want to do it with me? And I was like, Oh man, yeah, I guess so. Let's do it. I mean, it was ultimately my idea. So, uh, but uh, you've been doing a really good job, uh, or I feel like you've been gaining a lot of ground with your podcast on, through LinkedIn and everything. Uh, you've had like some pretty cool stories, and you've been connecting quite a bit, a lot with other uh, old maroon, you know, former alum, you know, A&M rugby alumni, both men and women, that are in mm-hmm. your industry, and. Uh, I don't know, it just got me thinking, like, why don't we have one, you know, because I, in my business, work a lot with other Old Maroon members, too, and so maybe it's just a way to connect us, everyone, together and uh, learn more about, like, what other people do outside of rugby, you know, uh, you know, especially in, uh, as alumni, you know, we always talk about the Aggie Network, I mean, it's true, it works, you know, the... I, I love working with other Aggies, and I love working with Aggie rugby people even more. So uh, if there's a way to connect people uh, more, you know, why not? Let's give it a shot. So. Yeah, so for me, I think this is, I mean, just kind of the format of what I'm hoping this podcast turns into is it's going to be half maybe current news of what's going on with the current team. You know, um, I know that it's Sunday right now after they just won the Red River Championship. They just beat the shit out of Texas. So, yeah, 68-5. Um, I think it's what the score So, it's a big win. Um, so, just a little bit of current news. Um, and then also just trying to help build a community again. Uh, I feel like we had we had a lot, of, a lot of momentum through some, like, national men's, uh, you know, U.S. Eagles national games. We had some big tailgates and um, some big get-togethers and Old Maroon weekends and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like COVID just, I mean, it, it changed a lot of stuff, right? And I feel like it killed a lot of the momentum of what Old Maroon was building. Yeah. Um, so hopefully this, can, we can get some engagement with, you know, doing some interviews with some Old Maroon people, some current students, try to bridge that gap and try to get, um, you know, just kind of help get the wheels moving again. Yeah, I mean, and there's been so much that has changed in the last three years, you know. Uh, the club itself, you know, James is going, you know, is leaving at the end of this year. Uh, you know, uh, Johnny Smith, our, our old, you know, Ford's coach is now the, uh, you know, 
the director of rugby, rugby uh, for A&M, and our, one of our former players, or former teammates, uh, mm-hmm. Connor Mills, is taking over as an assistant head coach, and then a guy that he played with with the Sabercats is taking over as the head coach, and I think his name is Luke, right? So, I mean, I think this gives a great opportunity to get to know those guys, right? Uh, hear what, you know, Connor's been up to. You know, I, it's been years since I've talked to him. You know, uh, you know, learn and, and meet Luke, you know. Uh, talk to James, you know, as he's, you know, leaving and what his next adventure is going to be, you know, or, you know, whatever he's going to do, you know, and, you know, thank him for really keeping the club going for the last couple of years too. I mean, it definitely wasn't easy through COVID, and he was still having, mm-hmm. you know, 30, 50 guys out there still playing rugby. You know, where I know a lot of clubs, you know, it just kind of just, you know, fell in, you know, and they're having to rebuild. Uh, and I feel like this was like kind of like the first year, uh, I guess, like most teams are back in full swing, you know, at least. I've seen it on a men's club. I've seen a lot of clubs that are really hurting for numbers. I think I think it just it killed momentum everywhere. Well, I mean, yeah, no, the, if, if we're still getting phone calls to, like, still come and play, they're definitely hurting the number, right? <laughs> we were talking That's, about yeah. that earlier. <laughs> like, yeah, before the, we hit record. Board. Yeah, 20 minutes, you know. You got 20 minutes, and he was like, not a good 20 minutes, but, you know, <laughs> I don't. And then, of course, you, you show up, and 10 minutes into the game, that somebody gets hurt, and you're having to uh, play 70 minutes, and that's just not going to look pretty. So, yeah, this, a few weeks ago, uh, I've been playing for Galveston, and a few weeks ago, we, um, they got a phone call. They were playing Bay Area, which is a big robbery, and it was like, "Hey, can you uh, just come off the bench for us?" And I was like, "I wanted to so bad. It had some conflicts. I couldn't make it." But I was like, "Yeah, when you play anywhere on the position or anywhere on the field, off the bench, yeah, yeah, five minutes <laughs> in's off the bench." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so let's do this. Let's uh. Uh, Matt, tell us uh, the Matt the Yeti Graves. Tell <laughs> us like your story. So, because I, I, you know, hopefully after this, you know, y'all get to know who we are, uh, and then we can start bringing in other people. You know, like like I said, we want to start bringing in like the current players. You know, uh, you know, current coaches, but also like bring in like some old maroon as well. You know, uh, and just a good mix of. Uh, the Aggie Rugby Network, right? Uh, but let's kick it off with with you, dude. Like, how'd you get started with rugby? Where you're from? Where you're at now? Are you playing or kind of? What clubs have you played with? So, kick it off, dude. Yeah, so uh, I, I went. I'm from Midland, Texas. Uh, I played my freshman year. I went to Midland College, um, and I played for the Midland Mad Dogs. The men's three club out there, uh, the men's D three club out there, uh, and then I transferred to A and M as a sophomore and started playing for the you know the A and M club. Um, I played when I got to A and M. I was a fullback and wing, and because I mean when you're 18 years old playing for a men's club, you're the fastest kid on the field. You're the, you're the wing, right? And even especially if you don't know the rules, they just throw you the ball and you just run fast and score. It was easy. Uh, <laughs> it's a long ways from that now, but so I got to A and M. I was playing fullback and wing. And then as I ate more McDonald's and, and Taco Bell, I moved closer and closer to the ball. Uh, I remember the last few, I think it was the last year, Johnny and Craig had a fight. That Johnny was, Johnny wanted to put me in the forwards since day one. And Johnny was, I can't do a good Johnny, or a good Craig impersonation, but in his, 
Australian accent. I was like, no, mate, he's uh, he's been with me. And that's horrible. But he, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I stopped. I moved into the centers. I played, uh, I think the last year I was there, I was playing 12. Um, as Johnny was trying to drag me into the, into the, into the locks. Um, I got, I graduated in 2010, uh, moved to Austin. I played on and off with the blacks for a few years. Uh, started playing in the, you know, in the back line. And then I took a few years off and I came back and, um, fat and out of shape. Like, you know, you get married, you get fat like, like you do. And I told myself, I'll play anywhere on the field, but except for front row. They said, perfect. Have a second row. I was like, damn it. <laughs> so I, I played a, f- a few years with them uh, in the second row and on, on a good day in the back row. Um, I was a part of the 2018 uh, Blacks Division Three National Championship team. Um, and then after that year, we moved down to the Houston area, and I played a couple seasons with uh, Galveston. And I got to move back to the backs. Uh, Wade <laughs> Mitchell, you know, our, so me and Rios and Wade Mitchell were all roommates our final yep. year at A&M. And Wade recruited me to go out and play with Galveston. And I said, don't tell him I'm playing in the forwards. Like, I don't want to play lock anymore. So he told him, <laughs> I was a, told him I was a center. And so 20 minutes for our first game, our fly half was a, uh, he was in the Army or Army Reserve, something like that. And I don't know, he missed his flight back from Fort Hood or something. And so 20 minutes for the game, he, he didn't show up. And they're like, can you play fly half? I was like, I can. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's like, okay, we really need you to do it. And then so I played with fly half the first game. We won, and I played fly half from the rest of the season. <laughs> I didn't even know anybody's names. I've been like one practice. and uh, But we did well enough. We made playoffs, and they got beat by, uh, what is it, the Mavericks, Grand Prairie? Okay. Like 105 to zero. And mm-hmm. like, we played in a. It literally, there's like a foot of rain on the field. It was a monsoon. Um, it was it was ugly. But anyway, and I played up to 2019 when I hurt my shoulder, and then COVID killed the season. And then I get phone calls about you know once a year, like, hey, can you come out and come off the bench? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, now you also played, and you who'd you go with to New Zealand with? Oh yeah, I went with Chase Johnson. Uh, me and him, you know, Johnny, Johnny was sending people over to New Zealand to Sumner, uh, which is just out of Christchurch. He sent a whole bunch of people over there, you know, every year he sent a few people over. Yeah. And so me and Chase Johnson went in 2009 and, uh, that's where the Yeti was. Like, yeah, that's, Yeti so came like, from, that's where I'm getting at. Like, where did the Yeti come from? I knew where you were going. I know. Um, so we went and, you know, since we were in the neighborhood of New Zealand, we stopped in our, in Australia and went and saw Luke Ark, Luke Arbuckle, who was a, yeah. um, he did a study abroad. We met him here, and so we was like in the, you know, it was a three-hour flight over. So we were in the neighborhood. So we went and spent, I don't know, like ten days with him at his university and his family farm. And uh, I had been growing my hair out, and while I was there on his family farm, and I say farm, like in Texas, you think of farms like what, ten acres, twenty acres, something like that. That's a farm. Yeah. He was like he lived on like eighty thousand acres, and he had another like oh, sixty thousand wow. acres over there, and another like hundred thousand acres over there, and it was like. Like, dude, this isn't a farm. Like, this is like half of Texas. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, that's massive. And I remember my parents like, hey, take a lot of the pictures. And, like, we're driving. You know, like, dude, it's, it's just like Texas with, with kangaroos. <laughs> like, the bar <Bobbar laughs> fences and cattle with a whole bunch yeah. of kangaroos jumping around everywhere. <laughs> um, so, anyway, we were in Australia hanging out with him. And uh, uh, he cut my hair into a mullet because it was 
it was 2009 and <laughs> it was you know it was after the 90s when molds were cool and it was before they came back to be cool so it was it was pretty well fun. it was like still in in midland though right like that was still the the haircut like back then though so it was like it was yeah there's some people holding on to it <laughs> <laughs> so i go to new zealand and i show up with this this dirty west texas nasty mullet <laughs> thing on my head and uh uh, one of the team managers, for some reason, for some reason, he's here calling me the Yeti, and of course that stuck. Um, you know, everyone has a nickname, so that stuck. And Chase, being Chase, he made sure to bring it back to Texas with us. So, I mean, and it, now it was, everybody, it was fitting. I mean, living with you for that year, it was very fitting. Uh, you know, just doing Yeti things. You know, walking around, <laughs> eating Taco Bell and McDonald's. You know. And then somehow performing at a very high level, you know. I don't know how. Well, we were doing CrossFit, and I remember, like, I would, like, go sneak away, throw away my Taco Bell wrappers in the trash can and find, like, your Taco Bell wrappers you threw away in the trash can yeah. in the dumpster. Yeah. Or I'd come home, and you'd be, like, sitting in your, in your Jeep hiding, like, oh, like what are you eating? I did do that a couple What of are times. you eating? Yeah. I had to, like, bribe you with the taco to, like, not tell Wade or somebody else. We were supposed but. to be doing paleo, and I was like, what do you got, buddy? I mean, the inside was paleo, kind of, not the taco itself, but, but uh, good time. Uh, so, too. aside from that, uh, I work in construction management. I work for an owner's rep firm right now uh, in the in the Houston market. Um, I started writing a newsletter, a construction newsletter, last summer, which morphed into a podcast now, and it and now a second podcast, I guess. And so it's. Uh, <laughs> It's been fun. It's it's led me to meet a lot of people, like and especially a lot of rugby people too. So, anyway, that's my short story. Cool, cool. Uh, what about you, man? So, uh, like I said, Stephen Rios. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I got wrangled into playing rugby my junior year in high school. Uh, there was a Dan Morgan from the Fort Worth uh, Men's Rugby Club. He was a substitute teacher. Uh, like at all, like the Fort Worth uh, schools, uh, and he like rounded up, or somehow rounded up like twenty to like thirty of us <laughs> that never played before. Uh, but it was like it was us, North Crowley High School and uh, Trimble Tech High School, I believe, and like a, a little sprinkle of like of private school kids from Nolan. And uh, man, we he was just like. Dan being very Dan Morgan, if you know him, he's just a old school guy and just like go tackle the ball and then just don't get don't get tackled. And we were just a bunch of idiots, <laughs> overgrown big idiots that just manhandled a lot of like <laughs> the teams that we played. And uh, man, fell in love with it. Uh, and I and I think a lot of it was due to like Dan himself, but like the just the random group of characters he was able to bring together and form a team you know i freaking love that um and so i played my my senior year as well and my senior year though uh mike quidar was the head coach and mike was the de the father of greg quidar who was on the texas a on the a and rugby team a great player himself i think he was a uh you know us u20 fly half or fullback as well. I think he was or All-American or something. I, don't, I know he made one of those teams while we were down there. Anyways, uh, 
So, he's making movies now. He is making movies now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Good ones, too. Yeah, Jake the Snake as well. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so when I got down there, he was, uh, or Mike was like, you need to make sure you go talk to Greg. And so I went the the freshman fall, you know, uh, howdy week or whatever, talked to Greg, and he was like, come on. And, like, of course, like that first semester, I was, like, hesitant. I was like, ah, I'm going to work my grades. And then I was extremely bored, and I was like, I got to go do something. And so in the spring, that's when I joined uh, my freshman year. And then, as you know, you just didn't stop after that. You know, <laughs> uh, that sophomore year, that was a special year for us, man. You know, we did, we just had a really, really close group of guys that connected, uh, not just our age, but like the class underneath us and the guys above us. You know. Um, and, you know, we did really well, you know, with the playoffs that year and we traveled, you know, had spring break, you know, on the beach and stuff like that, you know, like where prop Olympians were, was born, you know, uh, man, you know, like that, I think like just solidified, like the reason why it made, it makes us do this, you know, like this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, like just, uh, the, the crest and the club and everything, you know, like continuing that on and like making sure that like what we do, it, you know, it, is replicated or hopefully replicated. Right. So, uh, anyways, played all the way to 2010 cause you get five years of eligibility, uh, at A&M rugby and Johnny and Craig make sure we utilize that. Um, I still, I got another years left in me. Oh, you do? <laughs> nice. I only play four. Well, grad school, baby. So, uh, so I then graduated, came back, and played for Fort Worth uh, up until uh, on and off up until like the 2020 season, basically that ended. Uh, and then uh, I made a promise to the wife that whenever I had a kid, I'd pretty much hang him up. So, um, I think pretty I played a, um, uh, like an old boys game last year sometime but uh you know i'll probably just save it for old boy games and old maroon you know weekends uh if i can so um but i want to continue to give back to the club you know and i think that's like a big thing that like i'm hoping that this can help because there's that guys out there that want to they just don't know how right um you know and and uh after you know, I graduated. Blake Pellerin uh, was voluntold to be the president of Old Maroon, and then he called me and was like, uh, like me and Chase, and I was like, so I need like two other guys. I was like, y'all are gonna be my VPs, and I was like, well, all right, let's do it. And so we kind of, I think we did a pretty good job at getting some things moving, you know, with uh, Old Maroon and getting like reoccurring due paying members, you know. We know how to, we knew how to throw some tailgates, you know, and like did some big fundraising. <laughs> uh, we started the hall, you know, we got the Hall of Fame, the first Hall of Fame induction, and that was a cool event, you know, which I'm pretty sure they're going to be doing up again here soon. I know it was going to be during COVID, the next one, uh, but I think that kind of halted it. And I think Kyle Rand and some other people, I think Chase might be on the board of the new one as well, like the selection board that they're doing up coming soon but 
like I said, there, there's a lot of information that you kind of hear through the grapevine, and I'm really just hoping that we can get some people on to get some like definite information out to people to be able to listen, you know, uh, or to hear, and you know, hopefully get involved, you know, because. I know the big thing is everybody thinks like, well, what does the team need? You know, how can I, where can I give money to? And sometimes it's not always money. It's, you know, the, the big three things that you can give is time, money, and resources, right? Um, you know, just being there for at the games, you know, helping host them, whatever. You know, I know that's one of the things that, like, people or I say the people, the coaches, like, look for, you know, and ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like, if you look at some of the other um, – alumni that support like their rugby clubs i mean they have their endowment uh you know where they're pulling money from and scholarship money from i mean it's massive you know uh like in the millions and you know for us to get there like we need to have way more people you know donating regularly you know and it doesn't have to be a huge amount but like every little bit counts you know i'm not sure what the numbers are right now but you know, I'm hoping that, you know, we can, you know, probably get the the Old Maroon Board, you know, treasury treasurer or, you know, the president on to be like, hey, like, let's talk these numbers. Like, what does it look like? Where are we trying to get to, right? You know, is that just like one big donation away or, you know, what's the, like the small, you know, eating away, you know, at it? Like, what can we do this year? Um, and maybe this helps, like I said, somebody that, is curious as to how they can give and like, oh, that's where I want to put my money towards, you know, uh, or my time, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. the resources or the like, connection they may have. So, uh, so yeah, I think I answered my question. I went off. Oh, hey, you did. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, um, what else, man? So should we, so I guess we're going to title this thing, the prop Olympian podcast. Cause that's a, it's a endowed, or it's a, it's a term that was coined. You said it was on the beach, but I think it carried to the beach. But was it at the beach, or was it on a on a lonely roadside park overlooking Post Texas on the way back from Lubbock? That sounds more accurate. <laughs> where where <laughs> Matt Welsh adopted a stray dog, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, that that's definitely like where where it really grew, you know, uh, or where it was really born. I think. I think there was one more Prop Olympian, like a mini Prop Olympian before that, but I think that was like, oh my gosh, like the Prop Olympians live, you know? Uh, and like people are probably like, what is a Prop Olympian, you know? I mean, it's really just the most, you know, athletic and fine tuned, you know, athletic machines in existence, you know? And uh, it's just, it's a good time, is what it is. Uh, you know, we'll just say that it's a prop Olympian. If you know, you know. You know. Uh, we have to bring on the original one. We have to do a podcast with the original participants and and relive the stories. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, or just keep it, you know, to <laughs> Maroon Weekend. You know, uh, it'll give everybody an excuse to come out to the tailgates or Maroon Weekend when we throw it. Yeah, that was that's for sure. Uh, you know it. And once I think that goes back to you know like why we do this is because like we just had an amazing group, you know, yeah. in our class, you know, uh, and not saying that the other classes or or you know decades or you know uh, years didn't have that, but I think ultimately like everybody did, you know, 
um, let's hear those stories. You know, let's, Mm -hmm. you know, what other guys, you know, went to New Zealand, you know, like there's a, there's more than just you and Chase. Like I know uh, Rutledge and Welsh both did. J-Dub did. I think Music and Ryan Marshall went. I think they did. Uh, Connor Bertrand. Bertrand. uh, Wade. And Wade did go. So, like, there's a couple of years where, like, it was consistent, like, probably, like, five years at least. And so I think you – and I think I just saw, like, in our group chat that, like, the coach is now the All Blacks coach. Yeah, so when we went, I think he was – it was the second year being the men's, the Sumner men's team. I mean, it's, everybody knows how great New Zealand rugby is, but like we played, so we were playing, the Sumner is like a beachside community. Uh, it's a, a suburb of Christchurch. And they just played in like the Christchurch Metro League. And there was like, I forget what it was, but there was like a Division One, maybe they called it Premier, but D1, D2, D3, and like all the way down to like, I think they like D eight or whatever they had it so Sumner played in d2 d3 and then they had like a sort of like a social league type like beer league type guys all the guys that were retired and like uh didn't want to go to practice every night of the week so they just show up on saturday and yeah you know hung over from friday night and go out there and run around and hell they were playing better rugby than most of texas college was playing you know um but they've been throwing a ball around since they were four years old so um so anyway we played uh on the d2 and d3 teams and uh, Scott Robertson, ex-All Black Scott Robertson, Razor Robertson, he was the coach that had just came in. I think he was like our second year there when we were there. And, uh, yeah, he went on to coaching the Canterbury team and all the way up to coaching the Crusaders, and they just announced him to be the, the next All Blacks coach to start in 2024. So uh, that sort of thing is cool. And I know, I mean, he made a lot of Texas connections through all this as well. Mm-hmm. I know he came back and did a couple camps in Texas. Um you know, in the early, say, 2011, 12, that time frame-ish. And so it's, there's definitely been a, a cool connection between Texas and kind of that area. Nice. So. Might be something worth, you know, sharing again and seeing if there's any other guys that would want to go and take advantage of that, you know, see if that connection is still, still alive, you know. Definitely. Uh, the current guys, they just won the Red River Championship. So I think it was the score was sixty-eight to five over Texas. So I think they went defeat. I'm pretty sure they went defeated this year because I saw nothing but like insane scores, like hundred plus to like zero against some of these teams. You know, which, geez, I, I know we nearly hung up ninety on on Texas one year, but like, man, eclipsing that hundred point mark, that's that's impressive, right? <laughs> that's a. I mean, uh, Cal Berkeley did it to us, right? But <laughs> they didn't get a hundred. I don't think. I don't think they did. I'm gonna. I'm gonna plead ignorant because I didn't get to make that trip. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they did. I don't think they put a hundred on us. I think it, it. It was close, but not a full hundo on it. No one got free tacos. So. <laughs> so uh, what's next? They they play Cal Poly this coming week. Uh, yeah, they quickly turn around and play Cal Poly at uh, on Tuesday night at eight forty-five, and I just saw actually uh, on the Old Maroon Facebook group that it is being live streamed. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a link, and maybe I don't know if you can, Matt, but like maybe there's a way for you to get the link and like 
put it at the bottom of whatever this is, you know? So, yeah. Uh, if I can get this up online before Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just that, like, yeah, if it goes up before Tuesday, yeah, you know, like, maybe we could put that up there. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping, you know, I, I know that because uh, I spoke with the president earlier this week, I think it was Friday, and he was explaining to me, like, you know, the only other competition I think that played outside of uh, Texas this year was Air Force at the very beginning. So this should be a pretty good test for them, you know, seeing somebody outside of Texas, you know. Um, you know, because, you know, with – I think it's kind of similar to, like, how it was when we were playing, Matt. You know, like, we ran the tables, you know, in, in Texas, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until, you know, we did those, you know, fall and spring break trips, you know, to either, you know, Arkansas or California or Utah to, you know, have some really competitive matches, you know. Or Vegas, baby. Yeah. No. <laughs> that was the fact, a, Johnny let us go to Vegas, I, I can't believe. <laughs> uh, well, Johnny and Craig, I, I remember having the conversation with them. Because you remember it was it, it was at San Diego the sevens it was during the sevens tournament right uh-huh. the sevens used to be in San Diego and we had played BYU and Utah the year prior uh, there right and uh, the that fall when they announced the Vegas has changed you know changed to Vegas you know we were actually we were uh, we were working on the uh, cor- uh, the corridors right for Johnny oh yeah yeah. And uh, he called me in the office, like, we're, like, we're not going to get out. It was like, I, and rightfully so, like, I mean, the initial, like, like, you're going to take 40 of us to Las Vegas, right? <laughs> and, uh, but it was BYU that called Craig and John and was like, y'all are coming, right? Like, we still want to play y'all. And, like, I felt like that was pretty cool that they were calling to, like, make sure, like, y'all are coming. Yeah, it's like we want to play y'all, and like y'all gave us a hell of a game last year. They they like wanted to play us again, both of them. That was pretty cool. And I don't know if you, I remember being at the blackjack table <laughs> the uh, the night before the game, and the opposing hooker sat right next to me, and we were both playing at the blackjack table. Of course, like you know, we weren't drinking; we we're just at the hotel, uh, you know, just passing time, you know, and. Uh, I don't know. It was a really cool experience. I had never gone back to Vegas, honestly. I never wanted. Really? To. No, I haven't had the like. I, there's been opportunities, but I just I don't know. Like, what other Vegas trip is going to be better than being there with 40 of my best friends? Right? You know, my parents came too, and like a lot of parents did too. Uh, I forgot about that. I remember yeah. them being. <laughs> Yeah, no, like my parents were there. You know, my sister came and her boy, you know, her boyfriend. Like, it was like a family trip for like some of the families, you know. Um, so like, yeah, it was a good time. No, it was great. Like, I wouldn't wouldn't have traded you know for anything. You know, all of our spring break trips. You know, when else are you gonna take a you know a, a trip to California and with forty other of your best friends, right? Right. And I, I remember going through custom or not customs through the border patrol checkpoint with uh, Chris Parker. And for those that know Chris, I think everyone knows Chris Parker, but you know he's English. And I think he was on a, a study visa or a student visa or something. <laughs> and we had him shit in his pants because he was going to have to talk to the border patrol. He was going to get it deported to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, 
I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad we can all laugh about it now. But I remember, like Chris, like nearly dug a hole in that in that beach. He was digging back to England. <laughs> yeah, he. I think he he almost did for. Uh, you know, maybe the uh, we can finally like, and you know, uh, the Connor Bertrand and Chris Parker, uh, you know, wrestling match that happened on. On the beach, and where was it? It was outside of Santa Barbara, right? San Di- I think we were in San Diego, maybe at that point. I don't know. We were in a different hotel every night as we bounced up and down the coast yeah, there. But. That we, we were. But, yeah, no, I mean, maybe we'll get Chris on here and have him explain why he lost or who who won, Bertrand or, or Parker, in that wrestling match oh, on the, uh, the beach. That'll be fun. So... <laughs> Getting back on subject, uh, yeah. they play Cal Poly on Tuesday. We'll try to find the live stream link, get it on there, and then what's after that? They're gonna, they're moving on to playoffs. Playoffs. Uh, yeah, no, they have playoffs coming up. Uh, who they're playing, I don't know yet, but you know, I'm hoping that we can, uh, you know, speak to you know one of the players or one of the, uh, you know, maybe the president or the treasurer on the team, you know, and talk about like. Now what? You know, like, do they have the funds? You know, like, the the playing rugby is easy, right? But it's the administrative part that's going to be difficult. Like, now they won. Okay, now they got to buy plane tickets, right? Now, you know, is are they flying out next week or the following week after that? You know, like, who's going to be able to make it? Do they have the funds? You know, what they have to do with the wreck to you know, say, hey, you know, now we put out a, a request to travel, like, there's a, it's a process that, you know, the students have to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, plus go to practice and all that other good stuff and class, there's classes too, you know, um, yeah, I mean, you know, where does, you know, Old Maroon come in and help, you know, fund some of that, you know, uh, you know, or, you know, is there a call? You know, for over until we like, hey, we need help. I know they needed help with putting up this live stream. Um, they needed like so many, I think, donors or something to help make it to where it was free or something like that. So, um, thanks to those that those that donated for that. But uh, um, yeah, no, that's I'm, uh, that's what I'm curious to about is like, what's the current club needing and like, what are they doing administratively, fundraising wise? Because uh, I do know, like, they have to do a rec uh, allocation, like a presentation to the rec to potentially get money as well, like, every year. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. either coming up or they've already done it. But, you know, they're only guaranteed – they're not guaranteed to get that money, you know. They have to show numbers and everything as to far as, like, what they've done to fundraise for the past year, uh, you know, where they also get additional funds from to, you know, make their season happen, you know. Um, people don't know. I mean, the rec doesn't give them much money. We were both treasurers during our time. Yeah, no, this it was like I remember we got like two thousand dollars one year, and we got like the most of any club. And the next club was like lacrosse, and they got a thousand, and then archery got like two hundred bucks. Like it, it changes every year, you know. Uh, I mean, it just depends on their budget, you know. Mm-hmm. I think maybe at the most one year we got like six, six k. You know, I think like. 
I think it fluctuates between, you know, the presenters and like who's making those decisions. Because I don't think it's just uh, the director of Rec Sports. I think there's also like a student panel involved mm-hmm. in it as well that uh, you know help allocate that money out. So like I said, it's it's not. We should be appreciative of like what the rec does give to the club, and they do give a lot. Um, but we, you know, like the club can't rely on it either, you know, because you don't know if you're going to get it next year. You can't bank on that, right? So uh, this is where you know, hopefully, other people are able to come in. Like, well, let's find out what it is that like we need to operate, right? Um, you know, how much it costs, you know, per player right now for you know. Uh, someone to like pay for their dues you know how much are you know and what do they get in their dues you know if they do a fall trip you know approximately how much is that trip where are they going if they do a spring break trip you know how much is that and then you got to think like okay what you have probably a sweet 16 and then a you know the eight and then the final four and then national championship so how many plane tickets are that is that you know what's the cost on that and that's the tricky part about this, too, is because, you know, you're building your budget. I mean, do you plan for how many trips you plan for, right? I mean, it's hopefully you go all the way to the finals, you know, all the way to the national championship. But, you know, a lot of times you end up spending your whole budget just to make it through the regular season. And then it's like any playoffs, everyone's scrambling and having to pay hundreds of dollars out of pocket to go on these next trips. And that's, you know, can be cost prohibitive for a lot of players. Yeah. I mean, we are the true student athletes first right you know like how can we bridge that gap though you know as alumni you know where can we find you know additional funds or ways or resources to you know uh not make that dollar amount hurt as much you know and be more consistent you know and uh closing that gap with other clubs that you know don't have to worry about the money you know Mm -hmm. um you know, paying the coaches, you know, because those coaches give a lot of their time, dude. Uh, a lot of time. And it's something I didn't realize. I didn't recognize when I was 19 years old. But, you know, I mean, Craig and Johnny, they were out there, I mean, at least two nights a week, right? And then all day Saturday, that's a ton of time. They're away from their families. And I don't remember when we were playing if they got a stipend or not. But if they did, it wasn't nearly enough for the time and effort they put into it. Definitely not, man. Like, I, I mean, and it, they put it, dude, you – because you weren't a back, you know, or you were you were a back, you weren't doing the morning, you know, scrum practices that Johnny had us do, you know, at 5.30 a.m. Uh, you know, they put in way more than just two nights a week, dude. Like, uh, you don't appreciate like, it when you're a student either. You don't really no. understand what that's like whenever you have a wife and kids and everything else. Yeah, no, that, like, I think the last year uh, since having my daughter – the appreciation of people giving their time, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I mean, it just, it, it, I would much rather spend time with my daughter than go be with, you know, yelling at, you know, 20, 22 year old kids, you know, uh, much respect to the coaches that are putting in the time for that man. Like hundred percent. So, um, so yeah, we're doing this, dude. Uh, thank you for giving this your time to be able to do this, too. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm hoping it can um, 
you know, again, help create a little bit of a community between everybody and get some news out there and get some get some excitement. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and there is a lot to be excited about. You know, like I said, there's a lot of new faces within the organization that would be fun to find out a little bit more about, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess stay tuned. We'll start getting some, some guests on here to to learn about and share a little bit more about A&M Rugby with. Well, I got cool, you. man. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for getting these the phone call that got this conversation going. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure, man. Uh, so, till next time, catch you later, bro. All right, we'll see you guys. Take it easy.